glory to the praise of your mercy and grace to the praise of your glory cause you are the God who saves come praise and glorify our God who gives his grace in Christ, in Him our sins are washed away, redeemed through sacrifice. In Him God has made known to us the mystery of His will, that Christ should be the head of all His You are a God who saves. Come praise and glorify our God, for we believe the word and through our faith we have a seal the spirit of the lord the spirit guarantees our hope till redemption's work is done until we join in endless praise to god the free and one season of uh, Advent and, and giving you the acknowledgement and of your birth, Lord, and as we uh, go through our service today, we remember that your birth is such a small part, that your resurrection and your the life that you gave and uh, that you rose again, that you give us hope, that you give us life, that you give us peace. All these things we're just so thankful for, Lord. We just ask that you would just bless this special time, Lord. We pray for Pastor Bob as he brings your word. We pray for all things that go on this week and just help us to give you all the praise and glory and, and 
give you honor in our lives as we go on. We just thank you in your name. interesting I just uh, opened uh, the daily bread to today's uh, reading and I'm not going to read it all to you but they uh, pointed out out a scripture from Jeremiah 17 7 blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord and again one of those scriptures of, of, of the Old Testament either prophesying or encouraging us to to place our, our hope and to rest in God's promises. And so uh, this morning as we come together uh, looking at uh, the scriptures that were shared uh, in the uh, reading as well as a couple of others that I'd like to share with, including one out of Romans, uh, the first thing I would put forward to you is why celebrate Advent? Isn't that something that uh, denominational churches do? And, some, you know, and a lot of times you find independent or non-denominational churches, they don't. Uh, acknowledge the Advent season, per se, and uh, over the years, uh, I've always, I've been, it seems, uh, one of the things to be involved in is, is to celebrate Advent for a reason. It's a tool, if you will, to, to help us to pull away from what's going on in the world. I mean, let's, I, I was, I was interested, I was reading a, a, somebody making the comment, even from a, from a Christian perspective, you know, you can go on to, uh, whether it's online or uh, on your, your smartphones and iPads and all these different things now, 24-7 Christmas carols, 24-7 this, 24-7 constant, you know, going on. And that, not that any of that, I, I, I love music and I listen to it constantly, so it's, it's not that that's a thing, but there's just this, always there's this, this something to, to focus on drawing your attention somewhere else. And so this, this way of looking at it, I, I, I read it this way, 24-7 onslaught of the Christmas season. <laughs> you know, uh, 20, you know, there was 24-7 shopping this year for the, the, the Black Friday. Now, I can remember, you know, Black Friday is nothing new. It's as far as the, the big shopping day of the year it's been in that category for decades, uh, but it's gone crazy. I mean, you could go to, I can't remember which store it is now, I don't, you know, but it was, there was one that was open. It's like everybody has to beat everybody else's, and, and the, there was one store that was open for Black Friday at 6.30 Thanksgiving Day in the morning. Yeah, in the morning. And they went until 8 o'clock, then closed and opened again at, 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 I think it was 10 o'clock, something like that, and went until early morning, closed, and then opened again for, for Friday. And in each one, they had a different door busters. That they broke them up, so if you wanted to try to take advantage of all of them, you had, 
you were going to be shopping from 6.30 one day until uh, 6.30 the next night. Uh, you know, that's, that's more than 24-7. Uh, and it's just, I, I'm thinking, you know, there, it's definitely true that the, that the commercial world is, is trying to capture our attention. Uh, and uh, for a lot of those stores, it's interesting now, for the, on the commercial side of things, th- this, this last weekend of shopping, for the majority of the huge department stores, is their make-or-break-it uh, financial statement. I find that amusing, that a world of commercialism that pretty much is thrown out the idea of even Merry Christmas phrase, making its money selling Christmas specials and gifts, making it or breaking it financially in the process of ignoring completely the only reason why there is the season. I guess they would have figured something else out at some other point in time. But I, I'm just saying it's, it's, it's a merry... TV marathons. 25 days of Christmas. I think that starts this weekend. Or last weekend or something. But anyway, there, no, I think it's this weekend. 25 days of, of Christmas. And, 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 and there's a channel that has Christmas movie after Christmas movie after Christmas movie uh, on... And uh, I have to tell you that you, know, you read the synopsis of them, the majority of them aren't very Christmassy. Uh, they're just secular ideas of, of Christmas. Uh, many of them never broach the subject of, of worship or Christ or God. Uh, so, uh, uh, but, you know, t- and, and for that matter, TV marathons of reruns as well. You know, so if you, uh, yeah, or even something that, uh, don't, now, don't tell Brad I put it this way, okay? There's even going to be a John Wayne marathon someplace in there, you know? <laughs> That's okay. Um, uh, and just, the, you know, celebrating something, but not really celebrating Christmas. So celebrating Advent gives us the opportunity to, to, to stop each week and, and, and to think and to focus and say, you know, this is kind of the train of thought for this next week. I'm going to reflect on the hope that God has given me. And I tell people that uh, through the daily bread, even you know, every day you can read something, and, and just uh, the idea that God has blessed you with salvation and the hope of, of eternal life, and, and just to rest in that. And thinking again about how awesome that is when you stop to think about it and how amazing it is that we don't just stop every day and, and, and be, um, you know, overwhelmingly in worship and thanksgiving uh, as, as we, we, we think, oh, yeah, man, I am eternally saved. I'm an heir of Christ, uh, with Christ, joint heirs. Uh, and, and there should be something that, that clicks in us. And so we drive you know, a little bit harder maybe to, to, to help that click right now. I, I quoted somebody else's statement. I'm not even sure who said it, but I know it's not mine. To reflect on the confident expectation of what Christmas represents. Does that make sense to you? 
the confident expectation of what Christmas represents. What does Christmas represent? The birth of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I always draw attention to this, this tapestry. In the window of the, of the stable there looking out is, is the star, but it's actually what? The cross. You know, so the, the, the focus of, of Christmas is always the cross and the hope that that has brought us. And we have that hope with a confident expectation. In other words, we are anticipating that God is going to definitely do something in the, in, in the bringing of, of everything to an end and a new heaven and a new earth where we will dwell with him eternally. What a hope he has put into us and given us. And so that's what I want to share a little bit of, of this morning. You know, why is this hope so important? Why can't I just say I'm a believer and I know that Jesus Christ is there and he died for my sins and just, you know, then go on with life until whatever. And uh, the idea is, is that it's the hope tied with our faith and our love for Christ. It's, it's, it's all really tied together. But it, it's this hope that generates the desire to know him more. Wow, think about what he's done, the hope he's given us. Why? What does it really mean? And, and what is, if, if there's a hope that we have been delivered into heaven, then we must have been delivered from something. And the more we look at it, the more we become amazed at what, what God has done. A little kid song, I may have shared this last week, but the, the, my, my granddaughter lives, you know, and it's the idea is that I've, I've been all around the world and, every, and everything I see makes me know how, how little I know. And, and, and that's the same thing with Scripture. The more you read it, the more you realize there's so much more to learn. It will not ever end. And there should be something in us. This hope should be in us in such a way that, that it creates the desire to seek after the face of God. Uh, first, uh, Peter uh, he speaks of, 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 of the hope that uh, to, to the, 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 the people he's writing to. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are in a living hope. That's because Christ is resurrected from the dead. He is a living Christ. And as a result of that, we even say his word is living. It's, it's alive in the sense of it brings life, and it's constantly causing you to draw closer to the Lord. So Peter is, is very clear as he, as he puts this. You know, blessed is, is this person who has this hope that God has put in us. Uh, he, he also says, uh, verse 13, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, uh, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. To set your hope fully on something 
what, what, something that you, that you think of something for yourself that, that you may, either now or as a child or something that would, you would anticipate and that would cause you to get to the point where you daily thought about it. Well, as a little kid, for me, I'll just be honest with you, Christmas presents around the tree. That was, you know, to try to figure out. I knew one thing for sure, the envelope from, from, from Aunt Louise uh, on the tree would have a $10 check in it. Okay? And, and in the 50s, $10 check was a lot of money. Uh, that was like, you know, just, you know. So, every, I'm not kidding, every day thinking, what will I do? If she ever changed that to, to something, I, you know, what, a, what would have happened? I would have been what? Disappointed. It's very important to grasp this in a minute. But the anticipation of what's going on, you know, the anticipation of, of, of what's under the tree and, and shaking a gift if you're not being observed too closely. And, and um, if you're not being observed at all, maybe opening the gift and closing it again. Uh, I think I told on myself. <laughs> um, this idea of just, you know, of anticipation, expectation. And there's a, the closer you get to something, the more frequently you think about the expectation, you know, and, and, and the anticipation of that. But with this, with what he's given us and what Peter's talking about, he's saying that, that we are, are fully given on, in a sense, to this grace that will, that, that will be uh, brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ and uh, the hope that that includes. Uh, another place in, in the same chapter, uh, he says, uh, as believers in God, you know, raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So Peter very clearly sees hope as a part of our walk, a part of our daily walk with the Lord, something that just as much as our faith is a daily part of us, our hope should be expressed through that. And then just the anticipation of what it's going to be. And I have to tell you, after going through that heaven study and reading that book on heaven by Alcorn, really created some, some, some fascinating pictures for me to dwell on and to think about and to, 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 you know, to the point where I even went as far as to say, uh, re-look at some scriptures and, and kind of caused a chain reaction of looking back at some other things and saying, oh, now I get it. Uh, I can see something different than I saw before. And to me, that's, it's, it's, that's an exciting thing to, to have happen. And, and to see that hope cemented and strengthened. Paul... This hope was, was so much of Paul's life that in, in Acts 28, he says, it's for the hope in Christ that he has that he's in his chains. The whole reason he's been arrested is because of his hope in Christ. That's what started the whole problem between him and the rest of the Jewish nation as far as their, their, their hatred for him. I mean, he was... He was the man for as far as the, 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 the Pharisees were concerned. And, and he was in pursuit of the Christians. And that was, you couldn't be better than what he was doing. And, and he was going after them. And then all of a sudden, this major 
about face and, and, and turn around and, and the coming to, into, into a face-to-face with Christ and, and the turn that, that caused him and the hope that that brought to him, the hope that all of Israel was looking for, that he says in, Revel, in, in, in Romans chapter 11, verse 7, that they never got a hold of, they never obtained it. They were seeking it, but never obtained it. Because they refused to look at it through Christ. And because he looked at it through Christ, they said no to him. And you know the story, I mean, besides his being arrested, being beaten and being stoned and all the things that happened to him uh, because of the hope in Christ. I have one person that uh, was I was sharing with, you know, all the witnessing to and he he'd know something about you know coming out of a Sunday school background and then walking away from it he said you know Paul that was you know why would he do that why couldn't he just be low profile and and uh, not ruffle everybody's uh, just rephrase things a little bit and and just get his point across subtle and close you know and and I says because what God had done in him wasn't subtle what God was doing for him and promised him wasn't subtle. Is it? It's not, is it? That new heaven and new earth, there's nothing subtle about that. When you read it, you look at it and you say, whoa, I don't care how many times you read it. It's mind-boggling. So Peter talks about it. Paul talks about it. Uh, James talks about it, uh, and and hope in itself is kind of a it's a, with in the way we use it. The word hope is a very broad term. It's kind of the way we use the word love in a very broad way. We don't have different terms of endearment in a sense. We generally lump everything under one big term uh, heading, love. Well, we do the same thing with the with the word hope. And so we, we, we include in things, of, uh, when we use the word hope, we, we include things that are very unlikely to happen. I, <laughs> I hope it doesn't rain today. And you would probably say wishful thinking. Okay? That kind of a hope, you know, that, 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 that when it goes that way, is kind of the uncertainty of things. Uh, it kind of is a wishful thinking. You know, if it, no big deal if it, it does or it doesn't type of thing. You know, just that category. But we'll use the word hope in something like that. Very, even unlikely circumstances. Or even into the possible circumstances. I hope we have a sunny day sometime next week. A Humboldt County in a week's period of time, that, there's a good chance of that. Yeah? Okay? Yeah. Well, right now, yeah. <laughs> so, uh the, there, then there's a point where you have a hope that is in the sense of confident. You know that you know that it's going to happen. How many of those do you have? Well, I was thinking about that as I wrote that down. I don't have any. Except one. Which is multifaceted, yes, but one in the sense of the source and his purpose in Christ Jesus for eternal life. That one is confident. That one is absolute. Why? Because God said so. Uh, using the words out of Isaiah, 
that were shared this morning, uh, the last phrase, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. <laughs> Duh, done. Yeah. No, no issue. The zeal, <laughs> that's a pretty powerful word. The zeal of the Lord, not just, oh, the Lord will accomplish this. It's the zeal of the Lord <laughs> will do this. So we look at, at, at the word hope as we use it in our culture, many different things. Uh, you know, and, and, and it comes, if you will, in degrees of importance. And, and what, what makes it important uh, as to how important it is to you really has to do with what is the hope about. Uh, what's the object of the hope that you have in something? What's the assurance of that coming to pass? And the, the greater the, the object that creates a greater desire in you, and the more you can see that it's going to come to pass, the greater you're resting and, 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 and getting excited about it. You know, should, it grows. And, and the confidence in it. The more sure you are that something's going to happen, the more expectant you get about it. Again, going back as a little kid, there's no way Christmas wouldn't happen. You know, I mean, just, you know, as a little kid, you don't think that way. And, and, and not from a spiritual point of view, but from the, 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 the commercial side of it, the tree, the, the presents, and all of that. And, uh, you, know, one, you know, one year, Christmas almost didn't happen, and it certainly didn't happen the way it normally happened. Because of a death in the family and, and the focus of things, Christmas was completely different that year. And it wasn't quite the same. As a child, I remembered that, and, and uh, it was this kind of, oh. The, 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 the joy was, you realize that that's not going to happen with God's promise. There's nothing that's going to dampen it. There's nothing that's going to temper it. There's nothing that's going to draw away from it. It is full, complete, and, and, and you can place all your expectation, if you will, in the sense of confidence in it. And, and you won't be disappointed. You won't be, uh, there isn't something that's going to come and change it or squelch it in any way. Hebrews uh, speaks of, of uh, in chapter 6, it says, hold fast to the hope set before us. Hold fast to it. Grab a hold of it and hang on to it. And then that gives you an interesting picture because he says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. To have the hope of God and what he's promised as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. In a sense, that's what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Why? Because the hope we have is the anchor of our soul. 
We have a hope that is based on God's word, centered in Christ. And as a result, we can rest with absolute confidence in it. And it's neat. We can go to the foundation of this hope. We can, we can look at it. In fact, we can even understand that the foundation of hope, which we can't see but only get a glimpse of, was actually before the, before the foundation of the world. This hope was established. But God makes it clear that it's, it's for man. He, he, he points in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that, that there's going to be uh, this battle between man and, 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 and Satan but the seed of a woman will rise up, and even though Satan will bruise his heel, appear to have taken him down, he will rise up and crush his head. The seed of a woman, which Scripture very clearly points out uh, later on in, in, in the New Testament especially, is Christ. So the hope, the foundation of this hope, as soon as man blew it, it was there. You know why? Because God established it before the sin ever happened. That's how guaranteed it is. I don't know if you catch that. That's how sure it is. He's so sure that it's going to happen that he could say it before it happens. He says, it's going to happen. Before the foundation of the world, he had the plan, the symphony written, and he had it orchestrated. And as soon as Satan did what he did, as soon as Eve, as soon as Adam, bam, right there, the first glimmer of that foundation of that hope, the seed of a woman will crush Satan. And anything of his power and authority will be consumed by him. And I still love the picture of the second coming of Christ as the Antichrist is out there shaking his hand. I, I have this picture in my mind as you read it in, like in Thessalonians, shaking his fist at, at, at God as, as Christ appears. And Christ appears, and again, it's not with the you know, sword fighting or you know, any crazy thing, or even coming down with a, with a swoop of a sword or anything. It says that, that the Antichrist will be defeated by the breath of his coming, and, by the breath of his mouth and the appearance of his coming. When Jesus is done, when it's over, and, and Satan is taking his best stand he can and has thrown his hardest blow at, at the whole picture, Jesus comes into the picture and goes, over. That's who our hope is rested in. Nothing can disrupt it. Nothing can sway it to change. Nothing can, can undo it. Isaiah says that, that that this hope is initially is a great light that comes into the darkness. When, by the way, when Isaiah is writing this, he's writing it in the midst of, as, as you read in, uh, you know, uh, before and afterward, he's writing it right in the midst of, of, of the, uh, a condemnation, basically, that's coming on Israel because of their lack of resting in God, their, their refusal to, to, you know, to rest in him. And, and seek their own ways and their, their own worship and their own altars and various things that they did to the point where God says, I'm going to bring in your enemy to crush you for the moment. 
you know, but he said, in the midst of that, he gives them this picture. In the very midst of judgment, he says, but there is something to hang on to. I, you know, as you repent, you can grab a hold of this. Grab a hold of this anchor and secure your soul. A great light, a child, a son, a ruler, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. What amazing titles are given to this hope. Seed of woman. The, the hope that God has given us. The seed of woman came as a child. I still to this day remember a play that the kids did years and years ago. And there's this, this debate going on in heaven as to what they would have done. You know, the angels saying, well, I don't know if I'd have sent a baby. <laughs> well, I'd have sent a general, or I would have sent a ruler, or I would have sent, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, prominent. And, 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 you know, of course, with the kids play, I'd have sent a rock star, or I would have sent, you know, uh, something that would grab the attention of everybody immediately. God sends his son as a child, as a baby. But it's very clear from what Isaiah says, he's going to be a monarch, a king, with a government that rests on him, meaning he has full authority. If it rests on his shoulders, means it's his mantle. He has full authority. It's his responsibility. And this government will bring a peace that will last, and he says with absolute clarity here, forever. Eternally forever. And even more, again, the term mighty God, everlasting Father. It's the Lord Jehovah God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God is with us. Prince of Peace. What a thing to put in the midst of this picture of hope. The Prince of Peace. You know, I, I, Kathy and I were talking about this the other day. Through our whole lives, there's always been something going on, either close by and, you know, in, immediately in their families or in extended families, and certainly in the framework of the world that is, is labeled chaos. That's no different today. You know, when the Cold War ended... You notice I put quotes around that because I'm not sure whether that really happened or not. Uh, I, I, the wall came down in Germany. I know because I've got a piece of it. Somebody got me a piece of the wall. It's stamped and everything. It's a real piece of that wall. And I look at that and every now and then say, well, yeah, but, but is the tension gone that caused all of that? And the answer is no. But as a kid, we were constantly having the drills, duck and cover, duck and cover. And... Uh, Really kind of ridiculous, living in Santa Barbara, you know, uh, 60 miles from Vandenberg Air Force Base. <laughs> Duck and cover really wasn't going to do much. Uh, but, but, and, and the irony was is that we all knew that. So we had that constantly hanging over there, you know, the fears and, and this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and so this idea of peace here, we do want to have a point of peace. That, that, 
And, and there is going to be a time when God's kingdom is established in the way it's, and, it's, and this reference is appropriate for this, where it is going to be a kingdom of peace. There will be no fears. Nothing to be anxious about. Nothing to cause angst. Uh, the, the idea, it will be just gone. It won't be there. That, now, if you want to think about something that's beyond comprehension, for me, that is. I can't imagine that peace. And so it's a, it's a physical, spiritual peace. But the most important part of it, you know, the word shalom is being used here in, the old, in, in Isaiah. And it's a very, it, it is a fairly broad word in its usage in the, in the Hebrew language because it's a common word, greeting. And yet it was a sacred word. And holy. When you said shalom to somebody, you were, were asking God to first off bless them. Peace, health, prosperity, tranquility, rest, safety, good welfare in a sense. You know, well, your welfare being prosperous, you know, the, the things going well. Your journey being uh, through life being positive and, and, and free of stumbling. You know, shalom. But the most important picture of the word shalom is when it's applied to your relationship with God. To be at peace with God. Again, the very thing that the Hebrew people were striving for, Paul says, and were not obtaining it, he says, Again, in Romans eleven seven, they weren't getting a hold of it because they were trying to get it through their own efforts. And so we come to the, this picture of how does this peace obtained? It's obtained, again, going back to Romans chapter 10, by confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing from your heart that he is raised from the dead. And when we enter into that relationship, this hope becomes a reality. Now, that's an interesting thing about this. The hope is an absolute fact, and yet I wonder with it. I don't know about you, but uh, there's aspects of it because I guess, again, in my, my mind is, is not able to comprehend it and, and understand it fully. I, I, I get sidetracked, and I don't have the peace that that should be bringing to me. And then all of a sudden I think about it again and I say, what am I worried about that for? Look at this. Paul's having his life threatened. He said, <laughs> what's, that? what's the deal about that? To live is Christ, to die is gain. I can't lose. The best that the, the world can do is take my life and I win. with absolute confidence. Peace with God. And this king, this monarch, this, this uh, son, this child, all of the things that I say, he's going to be the one, he is the one establishing it. 
very clearly we see the outlines of this is coming together in Matthew and Luke in the birth of Christ, which we'll get into at a, at a different point as far as the, the series uh, for uh, approaching Christmas. But the birth of Jesus Christ, you know, uh, we see in those, those chapters the lineage of David being revealed and established again so that we can see that, that the promises, the hope that we're given and, and the promises made are being fulfilled in Christ. The lineage of David, the promise of David in a king that will be forever made to David in the Old Testament, a hope that he rested in. Boom. It will happen in Christ. Look at this. The Son of God revealed very clearly at his birth. And in looking ahead like that does there, but but as soon as he comes on the scene for his ministry, as he's not even spoken yet, behold, John the Baptist says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our hope, what we've been hoping for, right there, right there. Our hope is based in Scripture and on prophecy. Our hope is based in God and his promise, his zeal, this will be accomplished. Our hope is rested on the reality and the truth that we know. The Son of God came into the world, the Christ. Died for our sins. And we can rest with confidence. Even now, To this, we can grab a hold of some of this. And again, it comes back to Romans chapter 8. I can rest with this confidence, this hope. There is no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus. Think about this now. I have no fear about coming before the throne of God in the context of judgment because it's a done deal in Christ complete and fully paid for on the cross. I, when, when the trumpet sounds, I do not have to hide under the table in any quaking fear. I don't know that I'll dance on the top of the table or not, but, but I, I, you know, I, I don't have to hide. Instead, all of my expectations are going to be just coming to a full head in the sense of, of excitement and anticipation. And I can rest with confidence at the end of Romans 8. Nothing created can separate me from this. All because the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All because of Jesus Christ. There was a song that came to my mind uh, of the idea of, of uh, resting in, in, in this hope. And the phrase kept coming back to my mind, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and, you know, and the righteousness. You know. and, I, and I'm thinking, I couldn't for the life of me remember the name of the song. 
it's a good, you know, the solid rock. And it's a good thing that you can find the songs based on the first line. <laughs> and, and, I, and I just I felt I needed to just share part of, you know, some of this at least with you. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Uh, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And then the, the phrase, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. The picture of the parable of the house built on the rock versus the house built on the sand. The house built on the rock has the hope. I'm on the rock. I have the hope. And, and, and it doesn't matter what wind comes, what rain comes, what comes in the storms of the world, and, and Satan throws at it. It doesn't matter. I rest in Christ secure. When darkness veils his lovely face, in other words, because of the circumstances around me, I, I can't even see him. Okay, when darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds, I love all the words in this, within the veil. All the words that I was using, you know, just came out in it. And it, was, it, it you know, this, this oath, this, this co- his oath, his covenant, his blood support, uh, his, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And in the last verse, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Now, I know this isn't a, I'm not quoting scripture here, but, you know, you know, they, they, they clearly put to song and poetry a very good picture of this hope we have in Christ. And using all of the terminology that Peter used and Paul used to describe it in such a, a, a beautiful way. And, and so as we approach communion, this idea of the hope that we have, every time we share in communion, we are expressing our confidence in what God has done. And, our, and, and, and the joy that we know, the thanksgiving that comes with that, and how we can, again, rest with absolute assurance that because of what Christ has done through the cross, through, the, through his flesh and through the, the pouring out of his blood, we have a secure hope for eternity. Ask the ushers to come and to pass the communion out. Hold it until we've all been served and we'll share together.
graphic picture that Jesus gave us. And sometimes I think, you know, as, as far as communion goes, the tendency is to, to focus on the pain and the suffering, and, 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 and that certainly is a part of it. You know, and when we think that he, he gave his body uh, to be broken for us, I think of, of part of that picture is the scourging and the, the pain and the suffering, the physical pain. Um, but nothing compared to the to the the pain that was that brought about the, the the pouring out of his blood, because that was the actual giving of his life, the sacrifice, you know, it, for, it, his life flowing away, if you will, in order to to purchase our salvation and the anguish that he was in at that point in time, and and we can focus on that, but there's also that clear uh, and present picture. I will not share in this again until I am with you again, until I return. And we're instructed to do this as often as we gather together until he returns. And so we have that hope right, built right into the picture of, our, of, of the communion time together. And it's always there. It's always present. And it is because of what Christ did. A child born in the flesh the Son of God, Emmanuel, that it might be broken for us. And as he pointed out, he said, as often as we would share this bread together, he asked that we would do it in remembrance of him. The cup representing the blood poured out to purchase the covenant, the covenant of grace 
that gives us the hope. Completely taken care of. As he poured out his blood and as he gave up his life, the last words uh, in a series of, of words, the last group of words, it is finished. And then, Father, unto thee I commend my spirit. It is finished. When we drink this cup, it reminds us that there is nothing left for us to take care of. It is done. Let us share the cup in remembrance. Father, again, we come with thanksgiving, knowing, Lord, that our sins are forgiven in you, knowing, Lord, that, that even when our hope wavers, I think of the song as a veil separates us, you don't waver. And as a result, you see us through all things. And even that with a purpose, according to Romans 5, to build us up and to strengthen us in our hope, in our walk with you. That our hope can't rest on anything in this world, but only on you and what you have done and, and, and then looking ahead at what is yet to be. We thank you. And ask, Lord, that you would cause each day something to come across our path that would direct our hearts and our minds to the reality of the hope we have in you. And that we could maybe, you know, even if it's just a simple silent rejoice, but just that, that idea of knowing the God of all creation is our Savior. And that's guaranteed. Thank you. In Jesus' name. You know, next week, we'll look at, at the reality that hope doesn't, uh, I, I said here, doesn't stand alone. Hope is acting in a concert with faith and love and joy and peace and all of that together. And so uh, next week, the, 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 the candle is, the, is focusing on the love of God. And uh, we'll be taking in and adding that into this picture of, as we look at the hope, how the love of God for us and our love for him comes together with that. So... Uh, as we uh, leave, uh, if you'd stand before we sing, just let you know that we have refreshments in the back if you have time to visit for a little while and share. And uh, Lord bless. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you for being here this morning. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy, my old God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies with angelicals proclaim. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Laid in town, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead seek, hail the incarnate deity, please as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, 
Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. But He lays His glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hug the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn I don't know. <laughs> Wait, Mark? Yeah. You only want to do three. 